from. Well, hey, we're in the middle of a, a series called Asking for a Friend. Every time I say, Siri, you think I'm talking to you, and I'm not. We're in the middle of a, <clears throat> you know, and uh, it's called Asking for a Friend. It was going to be called Elephant in the Room. Um, my number one choice for the sermon was I don't want to preach this. Sermons that I don't get excited about preaching. I know maybe sometimes you're like, man, Zach, you just want to preach this, don't you? No, no, not really excited about it, but that's okay. Uh, and today is one of the biggest ones I don't want to preach on. I avoid preaching it. Actually, I only preach it at Chi Alpha once a year, and that's on Valentine's Day. Uh, today I want to talk about relationships. But we're going to look at it a little bit differently, if that's okay. I hope it is, because uh, that's what we're doing. And God hasn't told me to do anything else today. But if you have a Bible, you can turn to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. If you don't, it will be on the screen behind me. All righty. Jumping right in. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. I want to look at the, the story of Adam and Eve and talk about relationships starting here. God, remember, God created Adam. And as we look at Genesis chapter 2, I want to encourage you because as you read the creation story, it's very easy to get questions or doubts. But read this and let God speak to you through it. It's very easy to wonder how God could do something in a 24 hour span, how he could create the earth in 24 hours, how he could put, divide the, the land and the sea at the, the statement of it. It puts extremities on who God is. But before we start questioning that, let's just read this and let God speak to us. Because I avoid Genesis. I don't know if you're like me. Sometimes I don't like the first couple chapters of Genesis. I'm like, I got questions, God. Um, so how did this work out? It just doesn't make sense at times. But I feel like you're going to get something really cool if you just let God kind of talk to you. So here we go. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Jumping right in. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all wild animals and all the birds of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he, could call, he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, all the wild animals, but still there was no helper just right for him. I'm a, I'm a big dog person. I don't like cats. Uh, my sister wanted two cats when we were kids. I didn't like them then. I'm not a big fan of my, my wife's cat at her parents' house. I'm not a big fan of cats. I'm a dog person. So I read this. I'm like, God, but did you, did you make like a really good dog? And I'm like, oh, you're, you're God. Of course you did. So even as much as we love dogs, man's best friend, it was not a suitable helper. So God, so, so verse 21, so the Lord God Caused the man to fall into a deep sleep while the man slept. The Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. And last verse. At last, the man exclaimed, This is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken from man. There's a lot going on here. Uh, if you want to title today's sermon, Dog is Not Man's Best Friend is probably the worst title I could give it, so don't call it that. I want to look at 
relationship today in the context of Adam, God, and Eve. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today, I just give you these moments. I just give you these times. We are here. We are hungry. We are desperate for you. We are expecting something big. We don't have any demands. We come with nothing but ourselves. But God, we come in expecting the unexpected today. You were going to do something, and you're going to do something big. So God, I pray I give you these moments. I pray, though, that my words would be few, and yours would be many forever and ever. Amen and amen. So, like I said earlier, this sermon really should be called, I don't want to preach this. Why don't I want to preach about dating? Well, here's the reason. I'm not an expert. In fact, I am the worst person to talk to about dating. For real, for real, for real. What I'm about ready to preach today was not applied in Zachary's life very well. I wish I would have applied it, but I didn't. Uh, if, if I was to write a biography, there would be about three to four years of my life that I'd be very embarrassed by for you to read, but it is what it is. Um, there's lots of poor life choices. I am no expert on dating. So I don't, I don't like preaching about it. So just, just hold, on to me, hold on for a minute. Yes, I am married. Yes, I do have a child. But if I could do it all over again and still end up in the same space, I would wish I would have applied some of this stuff better. You see, when I was a kid, my parents told me, we're going... My parents told me, you're not allowed to date until you're 16. And I thought it was the end of the world. I was like, this is, this is terrible. I can't do this. I don't want to do this. Um, all my friends are dating. All the girls that I find attractive now have boyfriends. And I need to be ready to jump in at any moment as soon as their heart breaks and just be like, hey, girl, how's it going? I'm here. You know, and, and you saying I can't date really cramps my style, Mom. This is uh, stopping any progression of me not being lonely. And I know some of you guys are like, Zach, that's an exaggeration. I really wish it was. It's not. Uh, but I wanted uh, a, a girlfriend so bad. I remember that as a kid that I was like, this is so hard and so challenging. And I remember when I finally turned 16, it was like, who's single? I don't care. Again, I am not a great expert on this at all. Um, I was so desperate. I was so alone. And I could feel like I was missing something. Like, I'd see my friends who are dating. I'd see my friends who have girlfriends. And I'd be like, man, that's, like, amazing. That's so cool. And you watch movies, and you're like, oh, their problem solved when they, they get a significant other. That's got to be the solution to my problem. And I, I live my life like this, and I, I chase women easily. And again, I'm not an expert. I think I have solidified this fact. So we'll move on. But I go back to the idea that I always felt like I was missing something. Missing out on dating. 
missing out on having a significant other, missing out on the relationship aspect. And I never looked into what that was like. What was I missing? I thought I had it figured out. And maybe that was partially true. I'd like to first point out in this Genesis chapter that God, this is the first time God goes, it's not great. Remember, God does something. He creates the world in six days in the Genesis chapter 1 account. And what does he do on the seventh day? He rests. He says it's good. And he rests. But here in Genesis chapter 2, we get a story of God going, it's not good for man to be without a helper. He needs a helper. So yes, maybe the loneliness was true. Maybe I felt like I needed a helper, a girlfriend, whatever it was. But do you know what Adam had before he had a girlfriend? Or Eve? He had God. He had a relationship with God. And as you read Genesis, you read that Adam and God hung out a lot. And they were close. And as you read further into Genesis, you'll see how their relationship developed and grew. So God looks and he goes, look, I know Adam. I created Adam. He, it's, it's not good for him to be alone. He needs a helpmate. And every animal on the earth comes to Adam, and Adam names them, and none of them were good enough, not even the dogs. And God's like, there's only one way to do this, and he creates Eve. He creates a helper, but only after Adam had a relationship. Adam was alone, and it wasn't good. Yes, we need relationships. Yes, we need friends. Yes, we need significant others. But I think at times we overstress that. I think 15-year-old Zachary, 18-year-old Zachary, 20-year-old Zachary put way too much stress on that. If you're single in this room, I'm going to throw this out. If you're single and listening to this, I'm going to throw this out. You're putting too much stress on it at times. We do. We know we, we are built for companionship. Look, introverts in the room, you guys are like, no, no, I'm not. Let me drink my coffee in my own seat. Nobody sit next to me. I'm good. Right, but there's somebody you're friends with. There's somebody in your life that fills you up emotionally, that fills your tank up. So yes, you are introverted, and maybe you want to sit by yourself at church, and that's what it is. But we are meant to have relationships, have friendships, have companions. We're not meant to be alone. And so that's all good. But like I said, we, we put so much stress on this. And God knew what Adam needed was Eve. So he creates Eve. He was lonely. He needed a friend. He needed a significant other. But you see, Adam prioritized his relationship with God. Adam had that first. Adam didn't even think about having a significant other. There's so many times where we love to like hate on Adam and Eve, like you ruined it. We had earth perfect, and you're the one who ruined it. Just had to eat that apple, didn't you? I could be running around 6,000 years from then and uh, still just running around naked in the garden, and that would be great, but you had to eat the apple. But I, as much as we love to tease Adam and Eve, I think Adam's relationship was one of the things that I 
I wish I could do better. He had, knew nothing of significant others. He knew nothing of girlfriends or wives. He knew of God and animals. And that was it. And he built that relationship with God. And it was strong. And do you know how strong it was? When he sees Adam, what is, or when he sees Eve, what does he say? The last verse there. Verse 23. He's bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. 2020, what would that be? Oh my goodness, we're soulmates. You're the one. Let's get married. Crystal has a favorite TV show. It's, uh, well, it's a TV show she likes. I don't know if it's her favorite or not. It's called Married at First Sight, and these couples see each other on the day of their wedding for the first time. I'm like, nope, no, no. I mean, there was probably one point in time in my life where I was like, I'm never getting married. That's the only way I'm going to probably end up doing it, so sign me up. But God, God provided. Uh, but Adam sees Eve, and he goes, you're the one. Now, maybe some of you guys are like, oh, Zach, so are you saying there's a soulmate? No, I'm saying there's 7 billion people on this earth, and you think your odds of finding the one person on this earth, is that good? No, I think there's the right person, and the right person is the one who you marry. But that's a whole other discussion we can get into later. Point being is, Adam looks at Eve because the relationship with God was so strong, he knew, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Adam wasn't awake for the rib removal. He was in a deep sleep. He woke up, saw Eve, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. You see, not only did he have the relationship with God, but he also, what comes with relationship with God is the identity, knowing who he was as a person. He was never lacking his identity. Let's just hate on Zachary for a little bit because it's really easy. Um, Zachary never really knew his identity. And I thought it could be found in some girl because she was holding on to the rest of my identity. Like I was walking around with 50% of my ID and she had the other one. And I won't know who I am till I meet this person. But that was the far from the truth. We won't really truly know who we are until we have a relationship with God. Our identity will not be fully found unless we're walking with God. But yet we forget this at times. Because here's the thing. Yes, there is that deep desire within us for companionship and friendship. And so we think because of that desire, all of our wildest problems will come solved with relationships, dating, certain parts of a relationship that can only be provided in certain areas. Satisfaction for certain moments. That will solve this hole inside of me, this lack of identity I have, if I can solve it with this. Dating, sex, relationship. All because we've never found our true identity in God. It will make you look for what you never got from God. It will make you a 16-year-old boy crazy about girls because he never learned his true identity. He knew of it, but he could, you would never really know it. We make statements like, this person completes me. No. You know the scariest part about marriage? 
is your spouse will not be able to provide for you 100% of the time. You, I cannot expect Crystal to take care of everything I need. When I come home sad, depressed, anxiety, whatever is plaguing me for the day, I cannot expect her to come in and be like, oh, come here, let me hold you, and it's just going to all go away. No, she's also a parent. She's also the best housekeeper in the world. Like, she has other things to do besides try to take care of my every need. Our spouse, our boyfriend, our girlfriend cannot take care of every single problem we have. Yet that's what we expect them to do at times because we do not have a healthy relationship with God first. I can provide everything for Crystal. I want to. It is a deep desire of mine to give her everything she wants. You want a new house, Crystal? Okay, let's, let, me, let me go get three more jobs and I'll work as hard as I can. You want that, that, that new whatever? All right, you know what? If, I, if it's how I prove my love, I'm gonna get, but I can't. We, we can't provide for the other person what they need. Only God truly can. So when we lack our identity and lack understanding of how we were made and who made us, we will try to always fill these voids with other people. But if we truly understand our Creator and we truly understand who we are on both parties or even just one party of the marriage, understands who they are and stops expecting everything from the other person and just being the helper that God has made us to be, a helper doesn't do everything. A helpmate is there to help, to walk with you. Once we start expecting that person on that type of relationship, on that type of level, you'll see your marriage in a different light. Once you start looking at your marriage or your dating couples, even look at it this way, your relationship as, hey, we're, we're moving towards you being my full-time helper for the rest of my life till death do us part. I can't expect everything from you but we can both help each other get closer to God. If your significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, is not pulling you closer to God, but you're both pulling each other back, you need to reevaluate your relationship. Husbands and wives, if, if there's a staggering issue there where one of you is pulling the other one back, or you're not trying to help the other person move forward. I want you to pray about this and ask God to show you how to help them in this. Because here's the thing. It all goes back to identity. Only God can be everything we need. But when we don't know our identity, we don't date into the right mindset. We don't live our marriage in the right mindset. Dating will never fulfill you. Dating will never give you that identity, and your marriage will never give you that identity that you're so desperately looking for. Only God can. There's a verse I want to look at. John chapter 11, verses 1, or... John chapter 1, verse 11 through 3. This is the Gospel of John, my favorite uh, disciple, because John writes like he's the friend of Jesus. 
He writes so passionately. It says this, uh, verse 11, chapter 1 of the Gospel of John. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave them the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Go back to verse 12 real quick. What's it say at the end again? Oh, that's right. He gave them the right to become children of God. Your identity as a believer, as a created human being, is to be a child of God. Look how quickly we lost this identity since the garden. What happens after the garden? They end up in slavery a couple hundred years later. And Moses ends up on a mountain starting Ten Commandments that ends up leading to over 600 laws that they had to follow so they could get to heaven. When the whole purpose of us was to be a child of God. And we've missed this. We, it's, it's what we do as humans. It's a part of our free will. It's a part of how God designed us. Because if you don't have free will, then is it truly, really love? If you don't have the option to leave or say no, it is not love, it is captivity. So here, Jesus comes back to this earth after the Jews have messed it up so badly, messed up the understanding. He goes, I'm going to fulfill the law so you can be what you were destined to be, a, a child of God. Here is your identity. You don't have to find it in the laws or the institutions or in other people. I am giving your, you your identity. All you have to do is receive Jesus. All you have to do is receive the Father. All you have to do is receive this identity. Your identity is a child of God. You are a son and a daughter, and he loves you. Come on, parents in the room. How much do you love your kids? every poor decision they've made in life, and has that stopped any of the love that you have for them? Every plate that they have broken, every family heirloom that is now lost, has it ever once made you not love your kids? You are a child of God, created in His image who loves you more than any parent could love their child. You see, this is what Jesus wanted for us. He wanted us to see this relationship, to see our true identity. He wanted us to have a relationship with God like He is the Father and we are the sons and daughters so we don't have to look for it anywhere else. And I think, to honestly say, we have, we have missed this because we're human. We miss this element so many times because there's something inside of us that is screaming for it and we don't understand. like the check engine light. It comes on in our car. 
I don't know what's wrong. I have to go to the mechanic to get him to read it. I have to go get an uh, engine reader to understand what's wrong. Sometimes in our life, we have a check engine light, something in our soul that says, I'm missing something. I'm missing something. And we think, well, maybe it just needs a quart of oil. Maybe it's, it's just an O2 sensor. But it goes for so long and we never fix it. And we think we're fixing it. But it's never satisfied. It might shut off for a bit because you clear the code. But then it comes back. Check engine. Check engine. Check soul. Check soul. Blink, 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 blink. Something's missing. Is it? A girlfriend? Is it a boyfriend? Is it a spouse? No, it's a relationship with God. It's a deeper identity with Christ. I don't know who I am. I don't know who I am. You know, I... I give my mom a hard time a lot while preaching. I think that's why I had the child that I had, so I could talk about it. But I understand while writing this message, it's very interesting to, to reflect on your childhood and say, why was I not allowed to date? I wasn't allowed to date so that I could find my identity in God before I found my identity with anyone else. It makes sense now. I didn't understand it then, but I understand it now. And I wasted 16 years not figuring out my identity in God because I was so desperate for a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I remember the first time I came home in fourth grade, and I was like, Mom, there's this girl, and uh, somebody, one of my friends told me that she wants to date me. She wants to be my girlfriend. And I remember how good it felt to be wanted or liked. She's like, so how can I get out of this uh, stupid rule you got? I didn't say stupid rule. I don't remember the exact wording, but I was like, how can I can I, can I date this person? She's nice. You know her mom. Like I, I was trying to sell her on this. She's like, nope, that's the rule. And I didn't understand it was so I could learn who I am and not put all my value in another person. Worship team, are you ready to come back down? John chapter 17. I want to quote Jesus here. I'm actually just going to read it right out of my Bible. Verse 3 and 4. This is a moment before Jesus is taken away. He's captured. He's betrayed and led to his gruesome crucifixion. He's praying. He's talking to God, and, and, and he says this. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, the one who you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on this earth by completing the work you gave me to do. To know God. 
to know God. Jesus came so that you would know God. Not have to go through 600 laws and requirements to know him. But so he could fulfill them so you could know him today. You don't have to go out and leave this place and do a cleansing ritual. You don't have to go out and find a pigeon and sacrifice it for all the sins you've made. Go home to your cow herd and find the best looking steer and say, I've lived a terrible 30 years, 20 years on this life. God, take this steer so I can forgive my sins. No, the perfect sacrifice was already given so that you can know God, so that you can easily find your identity, so that you can build on that identity, so that you can walk with Him, work with Him, and watch how He does it, so that when it is time and you meet the perfect woman or you meet your future spouse, I'm never going to say perfect. Sorry, that was the wrong word. You meet your future husband. You meet your future wife. You are so ready. Doesn't mean your marriage is going to be easy. But learning your identity in Christ. In God. Who he is. You are a child. You are a son and daughter of the creator
where you both walk in who God has made you to be. Where you both not urging for the, the desires of the flesh to fill the void inside of you, but urging for the presence of God to fill you and show you and change you. Because really, the flesh is momentary. It almost brings, it every time it brings more pain than it brought gratitude. So I am no expert, but God is. Lean into the ultimate counselor, the ultimate peace giver. I want to pray for you. If you're single in this room, I'd like to pray over you right now. God, for those in this room that are hungry, are desperate, are wondering, are crying out in the night, God, where is my significant other? Where is the person for me? Why am I? alone, God, would you work with them? Would you show them who you are? Would they be so desperate for their identity in you that these questions become a passion to grow in who you have made them to be? Would these questions be a fuel to grow into the person to change the things that you called them to change so that they are prepared for when they meet the person? God, for those of us in this room who have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a fiance, God, today I pray for these couples that in these moments before marriage, in this time before they are came before the Lord, where two have became one, God, before it happens, Lord, would they be introspective and see where their identity is missing. See where you are missing and grow more and more every day. Be desperate to grow into the person that you have made them to be so they, they can be a good helper for their spouse. So they can see themselves as who you've made them to be. So that they can see their significant other of who you've made them to be. God, I pray for the married couples in the room. God, we are desperate at times to know your identity, to push off the sins and the shortcomings that strain our marriages. God, I pray that you would come upon them today. Come upon us married people in this room and give us a fire to build a marriage so strong with you in it. You give us a fire to learn our identity more and more in you. 
God, for every person in this room, would you just keep revealing the older we get. God, we want to be better at 70, and the only way we get there is by you showing us our identity every day by a relationship with you, by understanding who we are. God, we want to be better tomorrow and the next day and the next day. God, we want to be better. And the only way we get better is by truly understanding and growing in our relationship with you. So God, would you just move today? Do something big today. Start a change in us today that only you can do. We're no experts. You are. The one who designed us, the one who created us, you are the expert, the author.